my world Edward Ormond's Bodvik, written by Angel Snuffbox, Mrs. Coldfield, and read by Job. Every once in a while it occurred to Aziraphale that there was the slightest possibility he may be living next door to a serial killer. It started about two months ago, when the cosy little house next door to his became occupied after a full year of vacancy. From the looks of it, the tenant wouldn't be staying for long. The house came somewhat furnished, but he hadn't bothered adding much more stuff to it. Or at least that was what Aziraphale assumed. To his knowledge, the new occupant lived alone, and, like him, was somewhat of a recluse. He didn't have any family, and though he had a classic black vintage car, he was never seen around town very often. There had also been very little alterations to the bungalow and its front and back gardens since then, so Aziraphale's conclusion he would not be staying for very long. See, Aziraphale was usually quite good at concluding things. He'd grown up reading the Sherlock Holmes short stories, and the adventures in them had taught him quite a bit on the powers of deduction. Now, in his mid-forties, Aziraphale would grant himself as someone who'd gathered a considerable amount of wisdom in the ways of the world, despite the fact that he'd never really seen much of it. His first meeting with the enigmatic new neighbor already raised some suspicion. On that day, Aziraphale spotted him unloading a couple of large suitcases from his car, and it was only proper for him to offer his help. The man introduced himself as Crowley. He had striking, tousled red hair, and he wore a pair of dark sunglasses over his strongly lined face. They were approaching summer, and summers in Tatfield were always a marvel of their own. The bright yellow sun made his hair burn orange. Crowley beamed gratefully as he lifted one of the suitcases from within the car, his bicep flexing under his tight black shirt, and handed it to Aziraphale. Now, Aziraphale was a relatively strong person, but he hadn't been prepared for how heavy the suitcase would be. His arm stretched down to the ground before he recovered quickly and hoisted it back up with effort. You okay? Crowley asked him, tone laced with concern. He gave a quick laugh and a reassuring nod. Yes, it's all right. He felt for the heft of the suitcase once more and said, Quite heavy this is. What do you have in here, rocks? Crowley barked out a laugh as he took the other suitcase and pulled that out of the car also. His shoulders shook with mirth, though Xerophil could only stare back in confusion. He did not understand what was so funny about what he'd said that Crowley would be laughing this long. He sure was not one. Finally, Crowley ended it with a last chuckle, 
You could say that. He led the way over to the front door. Bewildered, Aziraphale stared at the suitcase in his hand, his veins filling up with ominous energy. Around a week after that, when Aziraphale was headed out to the farmer's market, he passed by Crowley's front lawn along the way and figured he should stop to greet him. He still couldn't put a finger on his neighbor's character but he always made it a point to be cautious to everyone he met. He found Crowley squatting on the ground, a light brown stone held in his palm. He brought it up to his face, and his nose did a characteristic scrunch, as though to sniff it. Then, seemingly dissatisfied with that, his tongue darted out past his lips, and he gave it a clean lick. From his spot by the pavement, Aziraphale couldn't help staring. Um, he called out, waving when Crowley heard his voice and turned to look at him. Hello. Crowley's cheeks swelled up as his mouth stretched out into a wide grin. Or at least what would have been a grin had the surface of the rock not been stuck to his tongue, but that did not seem to deter him. Crowley's hand let go of the stone and gave him an eager wave back. Eh, said Crowley. Aziraphale nodded and very politely walked away. About a month after Crowley had moved into the house next door, Aziraphale spotted him while he had been on his way to work. There was a dirt path through the edges of the woods that served as a shortcut. Hardly anyone ever ventured far from that designated pathway. It ran parallel to a stream a few feet away, and there Aziraphale found Crowley, sprawled out on his back on top of a flat boulder bathed in sunlight from his face down to his chest, long limbs stretched out on all sides. His hands, as well as his legs, were submerged in the waters of the calmly moving stream. He was not moving. Aziraphale approached slowly, his heartbeat picking up when, even through his loud footsteps, Crowley did not stir. He stepped on a branch, which made a loud snap, and that seemed enough to finally wake him up. Aziraphale wanted to check on him. There did not seem to be any signs of bruising or struggle on his body and clothes, so it was unlikely that someone had dumped him there. Perhaps he'd had one drink too many and gotten himself lost in the woods at night. But when Crowley got up, he did not seem to be hungover, or even the least bit distressed. He stretched his arms up over his head, the hem of his shirt riding up to reveal a sliver of his stone stomach. Aziraphale stayed out from view and he watched as Crowley bent down and reached with his hand into the water, and from it retrieved a silver metal hammer tapered at one end. 
Crowley wielded the weapon in hand, gave it a few swings, and grinned fondly as he spoke to it. Right, Aziraphale heard him say. Great work day. Aziraphale spun around so quickly that his heart nearly stopped. Before Crowley could have the chance to spot him, he made a beeline back to the dearth path, his chest heaving with panic. Apart from those instances, Crowley also had the habit of staying up at all hours of the night. For the life of him, Aziraphale could not find a regular pattern to his sleep schedule. Aziraphale, who was somewhat of an insomniac himself, would often be met with strange sounds coming from the house next door, as he curled up with a book in his armchair during the most ungodly hours. The sounds were an odd mixture, thuds and clangs, something mixed with wake swearing, the scrape of something heavy being moved across the floor, metal hitting a hard surface again and again, coming from the direction of Crowley's back garden. See, when one really stopped to think about it, Tedfield was just the kind of place for oddballs and recluses. It was a tiny village outside of the city, with sprawling natural scenery all around, lifted straight out of a children's storybook. It was also the perfect place to dispose of a body. The residents of Tatfield formed a tight-knit community, and if one of them had suddenly gone missing, it would have been known to everyone in an instant. So it was not likely that the victim had been among this idyllic place. Aziraphale thought back to the heavy suitcases that Crowley had brought with him through his car. One never really knew what it was with these London gents, and thus one can never be too sure. But there was not much that Aziraphale could do about it until he knew for sure what Crowley was indeed up to. He went about his life as normally as he could, heading to work and dutifully attending to his students, then returning home to read more books, and occasionally going out to visit the few friends he had. Sometimes he ran into Crowley, and he always seemed to be up to something. Crowley was always dressed in tight t-shirts and cargo shorts, that ended just above his knees. Whenever he wasn't at home, he appeared to always be off wandering the woods, going well beyond the dirt path and following the stream instead. He had the pointy hammer with him at all times, and his long arms swung it about as he laughed gleefully to himself. There was always at least some layer of sweat beading on his forehead, soil clinging to his hands and arms, and flecks of mud drying up over the fine hairs of his shapely legs. He always seemed to be doing his own thing, and he didn't really talk to anyone except to Zerafair. This was the strange sequence of events 
that had been raining down on Aziraphale for the past two months. Every so often, Aziraphale made it a habit to bake some sweets and hand them out to his friends. It was the kind of thing that people did in this place, exchange food and gifts periodically, and it made him feel very close to them. It did occur to him, though, that he also had to give some out to his new neighbor. It was the polite thing to do, after all. So, with a basket filled with scones, he trudged over to the house next door. Crowley was outside, his pointy hammer in hand, and he was half-bent over the ground whilst he swung the ghastly weapon up high and brought it down to a block of stone wedged under his foot. The stone quivered with a loud clang, and Crowley repeated the motion once more. Aziraphale paused just over the fence, caught by the movement of his arm muscles, as he brought the hammer down again and again. The stone moved an inch or so on the ground, and Crowley adjusted his foot over it, his bare calves shifting in place. Aziraphale's lips turned dry. He had such beautifully tan skin, too. Then Crowley paused and looked up at him. A huge beam broke out over his face, lines of crow's feet forming around his eyes. Hey, Aziraphale. He couldn't understand why that greeting made his pulse race, but he managed to make a greeting back. Crowley left the large block behind as he made his way over to him, his arm stretching out to swing the pointy hammer over to rest on his shoulder. What brings you here? he said, smiling toothily. It took Aziraphale a moment to recall what his purpose was. I came to give you these. His breath caught as he eyed the hammer up close, the metal head glinting in the afternoon sun, but he kept his cool. He pasted a smile in place as he chatted with Crowley, one very eye on the pointy hammer the entire time. Wow, these look good. Thanks. Crowley took one of the bundles and set it down on the ground. Then, with his still grubby, dirt-covered fingers, he took one of the scones and bit off a huge portion, humming as he licked the crumbs off his lips. Aziraphale stared. That was one way to go about it. Well, he said somewhere uncomfortably as Crowley chewed, Someone ought to keep you well fed, what with you always out and about and all. Yeah, kinda have to be all over the place. Comes with a job, you know. These things aren't gonna hammer themselves. Crowley swallowed his bite and a wicked gleam appeared in his eye. Good thing they're not going anywhere. Aziraphale gave a nervous chuckle. Uh, yes, uh, 
Do you enjoy your job? Crony seemed to give it some serious thought. Honestly, yeah, I do. I like not having to deal with people that talk, you know. It's very zen. Aziraphale held back a wince. His thoughts rushed at breakneck speed, trying to come up with an excuse to leave, when all of a sudden Crowley's grin faltered into something that looked bashful. I'd say you're pretty good at feeding me up as it is. He said in a tone much softer than before. Then, looking straight at Aziraphale, can I maybe return the favor? Aziraphale's brows shot straight up. What? I'd like to take you to dinner. His cheeks went a faint pink shade. If that's all right. I... What? No pressure, really. Just, you seem pretty nice, and I was wondering if you wanna... Dinner. Date. Crowley did that odd nose crunch again. You can't say no. Aziraphale's gaze drifted suspiciously to the glinting metal of the pointy hammer, still wedged on the crook of Crowley's neck and shoulder. The rubbery grip was a cool blue shade, dirt smattered and held steadily in Crowley's strong grasp, and it rather gave the impression that what Crowley had actually meant to say was, I dare you to say no. He nodded frantically. Crowley looked stunned. Wait, really? Only, only I really must get going now. More deliveries to do, you see? Oh, oh yeah, sorry for keeping you, but dinner, yes? Dinner, Saturday? Aziraphale was already backing up on his feet. Yes, well, you know where to find me. Aziraphale squeaked and hastily walked away without waiting for a reply. Off the top of his head, he could think of nothing worse to say to a potential murderer than that. Saturday eventually came, and Aziraphale was a nervous wreck. He'd been hesitating over whether or not to push through with a date with Crowley. On one hand, there was still the slight possibility that Crowley was a criminal. On the other, he had never done anything unpleasant to Aziraphale specifically, bearing the odd noises coming from his house in the middle of the night. Could it be possible that he'd misjudged? A few hours before their set date, Aziraphale walked by Crowley's front garden on the way home from his meeting with a fellow book collector. Much like before, Crowley stood a few steps away from his porch, hammering at another stone block wedged under his foot. But his movements seemed to be more languid, 
and there was a wariness to his stance that hadn't been there previously. Thus, Aziraphale found himself blurting out, Would you like some help? Crowley looked up at the sound of his voice, and the white beam that made his way to his face was every bit as bright as all the others he'd given Aziraphale. That was how he found himself at the front of Crowley's house, pointy hammer in his own hand and a stone block on his foot. It felt odd. When Crowley was in this position, he looked so strong and sure, but Aziraphale felt neither of those at the moment. The hammer was much heavier than he had been anticipating. It sent a dull ache along the stretched line of his forearm when he held it straight down to the ground, so he had to keep his elbow bent slightly. Crowley disappeared briefly inside the house, and when he returned, he had a pair of plastic goggles which he held in front of Aziraphale's face. Best to wear these, I think. He stepped close, and Aziraphale couldn't help noting the faint dots of freckles over his cheeks as Crowley placed the goggles on him. I've never seen you wear these. Yeah, well, I'm an expert at pounding at this point. Aziraphale's jaw hung open, and Crowley responded with a cheeky wink. He cleared his throat carefully averting his gaze. Come, so you need the stone to be broken into little pieces, I take it? That shouldn't be too hard, he thought. Pretty much, Crowley replied. Go ahead, give it your best shot. Aziraphale very much did. He swung the hammer up high and brought it down towards the ground. Before the impact could be made, Crowley's hand shot out and gripped his forearm, halting his movement. Right, yeah, you're gonna chop off your toes like that. With a soft chuckle, Crowley nudged the tip of his foot to Aziraphale's, urging it to scoot a little to the side on top of the rock. Leave some space here. Never hammer between the legs. Aziraphale was almost sure he should tell him that seemed counterproductive, but he kept his mouth shut. Strike out here, Crowley resumed, sliding the tip of his foot on the outside of Aziraphale's. He gave it one playful tap. There. Now give it a rough pound and make me proud. Aziraphale did so, and upon impact, a thrum rang out over his hand and arm. The block shifted under his foot, but a crack appeared on its surface, running cleanly down the middle. Yes, yes, that's perfect, Crowley said. Do it again. Aziraphale did, and this time it split in half. Oh! Aziraphale stared incredulously up at him. I did it! Yes, you did it. Well done. 
Crowley's smile beamed with pride, and Aziraphale felt really accomplished. For a long moment they stood there, simply staring at each other, while their smiles lingered and softly waned. It was a perfect summer day in Tadfield, and all of a sudden Aziraphale was feeling warm. The exertion brought a layer of sweat over his brow, which Crowley seemed to notice. I'll grab us some water, he told Aziraphale, but you can stay here. I'll be right back. Sit on the porch if you like. When Crowley disappeared behind the door, Aziraphale allowed himself a small laugh at how ridiculous he'd been. After all those soft smiles and gentle encouraging words, it was difficult to see Crowley as anyone truly violent, much less a criminal. He was, perhaps, an eccentric, but Aziraphale could more easily deal with that. At the very least, he was certain it was worth one date. Smiling to himself, Aziraphale took a seat on the porch steps, but jumped up when something dug painfully into his hip. He quickly glanced down and saw that he had sat on top of a black stone, slightly larger than the size of his fist. He clicked his tongue. Crowley was not very good at keeping his home tidy at all. Aziraphale took the stone in hand. It was black as night, and had tiny grey blobs scattered throughout. Shrugging, he curled his fist around as much of it as he could, mustering all his strength to hurl it across the lawn. It landed on top of one of the garden cobbles with a satisfying thunk, before scattering into smaller pieces. <clears throat> he jumped when Crowley reappeared from inside the house, his jaw slack. What? What did you just do? Aziraphale stood, wiping his trousers free of dust. You really ought to do a bit more sweeping, my dear. There was a stone on here, and I took the liberty of tidying up your porch a little. Aziraphale. Crowley's voice was hoarse, stricken aghast with disbelief. You just destroyed my carbonaceous chondrite. Oh, Aziraphale frowned, but did not pry any further for fear of being impolite. It must certainly be aligned with the behaviors of eccentrics to be naming rocks. Was it important? It's a two-and-a-half-billion-year-old meteorite, but no, not important at all. He shot Aziraphale a strained smile, bundled with a pair of suddenly lifeless eyes. They're there, Aziraphale replied, patting him bravely on the arm. Crowley was talking complete gibberish now, so he tried to make his own smile look comforting. It really is quite hot, isn't it? Perhaps some water will clear your head.
When Crowley showed up at his doorstep that evening, Aziraphale almost did not recognize him, and only then did it occur to him that he had never seen Crowley or cleaned up before. Up until this point, he had always been wearing tight t-shirts and shorts with giant pockets, his lean muscled limbs covered with some layer of dirt and sweat. While Aziraphale would be the last person to say Crowley was unattractive, he had almost been expecting Crowley to show up for their date in that usual look. Instead, Crowley was all cleaned up, wearing a smart-fitting black blazer and tight denims. His dark red hair was coiffed stylishly, and long fingers came up to push his sunglasses he never seemed to go anywhere without them, yet another habit of eccentrics, he supposed, up the bridge of his nose as he smiled at Aziraphale and greeted him. The pointy hammer was nowhere to be seen, and Aziraphale tried very hard not to swoon. Much to his surprise, Crowley was also a proper gentleman, as he drove them over to the restaurant, a cosy little place just outside of town. Aziraphale found that he was very attracted to him. Their conversation flowed nice and easy, and he was pleasantly shocked by how clever Crowley actually was. His jokes came at the best moments, and he had a burning curiosity towards every topic under the sun that made him such a pleasure to talk with. Aziraphale was enchanted, to say the least. When Crowley reached out to take his hand over the restaurant table, Aziraphale beamed, giving it a tight squeeze. Crowley's smile stretched just a little wider as he stroked a thumb over his knuckles, sending skitters of feet up Aziraphale's arm. They talked about themselves, how Crowley had gotten to travel all over the world because of his job. For now, he was assigned to Tadfield, but just this year alone he had already been to Hawaii, Australia and Tibet. In comparison, Aziraphale was entirely the opposite. He talked about his strict religious upbringing and how he'd managed to completely free himself from his family only a decade ago. Tedfield had been his refuge ever since, and he very rarely got to see the world outside of it. Crowley gave his hand a comforting squeeze and said, I'm glad you're here now, or I'd never have met you. Aziraphale blushed, and he felt a pang of sadness at the knowledge that Crowley would probably have to leave Tedfield sometime soon, and the house next door would be empty and silent once again. He considered what it would be like. He also considered if they would be able to withstand long distance. Flustered, he halted his train of thought instantly. That was going way too fast for a first date. For now, 
he could simply enjoy Crowley's company for what it was. So what if he was an eccentric who talked to hammers and gave names to rocks? He was gorgeous and funny and all so sweet, and the poor thing was so obviously smitten with him. Aziraphale would be a fool to throw his chance away. After dinner, they decided to go for a bit of a walk before heading back home. They ended up following a path to a nearby park, the blanket of a starry night sky hanging over their heads. While they walked, Crowley held his hand. They talked of more things, and Aziraphale was warm and fuzzy all throughout. It was a perfect summer night, and he was on a date with his handsome, charming neighbor. He couldn't help but be thrilled. Crowley leaned in close, and with a shy nudge of the tip of his nose to a zero skin, he closed the distance, carefully brushing his lips over his cheek. He gave a zero a tentative, soft smile as he pulled away, and a zero squeezed his hand. That was nice. Yeah, it was. Aziraphale began to wonder whether they would kiss on his doorstep at the end of the night. Things sure seemed to be headed that way, and he desperately wished they would. Tell me about your day. Aziraphale did. He told Crowley about his acquisition of a precious vintage novel from an old collector, and Crowley listened intently as he explained the condition that it was in, as well as the few restoration efforts it would need still. The book was wonderful, but the previous owner was less so. He was a bit odd. In what way? After we drifted off topic, and he began talking about this thing he discovered. He's an archaeologist, you see. Oh, that's neat. Yes, well, and then he started talking about something, some discovery I couldn't quite catch. I think he talked of human remains, and... And something about them being over 30,000 years old? And something about dating? Oh, but that doesn't sound right. He surely couldn't have dated the human remains. Plain balderdash, you see? I must have heard it wrong. Hold up. Rowley stopped walking and quirked up a brow. Could it be possible this guy was talking about carbon dating? Aziraphale perked up at the mansion. Oh, I, I think so. Yes, he might have mentioned that bit as well. Do you know it too? Well, it's not my usual dating method for sure. Feeling a stroke of boldness, Aziraphale nudged his shoulder and looked up coyly at him. Then what method of dating do you prefer? Crowley didn't even spare him a glance. Carbon dating is neat and all, but it can only go as far back as around 50,000 years, 
and I deal with materials several thousand times older than that. I usually go for a good old potassium argon or uranium lead. Depends on what I have on hand. The moment was broken, and Aziraphale blinked in confusion. Ah, I see. But that's amazing for your friend. Must have been some discovery. I can't see why he'd be so excited to share it. Crowley, surely you don't actually believe in his story, do you? Now it was Crowley's turn to give him a perplexed look. Why wouldn't I? I mean, everyone knows the Earth is only 6,000 years old. Crowley stiffened instantly, his hand around Aziraphale's transforming into a death grip. A few minutes of awkward silence passed, and Aziraphale feared that he'd said something that upset Crowley. He wrecked his brains, trying to think of something that would remedy the situation. Oh, what would Crowley want to talk about? Rocks. Crowley liked rocks, didn't he? Aziraphale bent down on the ground and picked up a random grey stone. With a shifty smile, he shoved it into Crowley's palm, blurting out, So tell me about this one. Crowley glanced at the stone, brows pulling into a deep scowl. He proceeded to give Aziraphale the blankest stare. This is cement. They lapsed back into tension-filled silence. After a while, though, Crowley seemed to recover a little. Sighing with resignation, he gave Aziraphale's hand one final squeeze before letting go. Think this is a good time to go home, wouldn't you agree? Though he was a little disappointed, Aziraphale nodded. It did seem rather late. The car ride back home was a tad more silent as well. Crowley only made the occasional remarks here and there. Crowley did drop him off at his doorstep that night, but when Aziraphale began to lean in for a soft parting kiss, Crowley jorted and held out a hand between them. Good night, he blurted out, strained smile in place as he vigorously shook Aziraphale's hand. Uh, see you around. And then he left, leaving a completely dumbfounded Aziraphale to stare after him. The house next door was eerily silent all through Sunday, and Aziraphale didn't see Crowley again until Monday morning. He was headed over to his car, his fingers flying off on his phone screen as he typed in a text. Aziraphale put on the brightest smile he could make and greeted him with an upbeat, Good morning! Hands clasped behind his back as he bounced on his toes. Crowley jumped a step back and shot him an incredulous look. Hi, Aziraphale, he said, 
but his smile did not reach his eyes. Morning. Heading to work? Indeed I am, he replied. He couldn't resist scanning his eyes all over Crowley. He was looking remarkably good today, in a thin red shirt and dark denims. Said shirt was so tight that it clung to every curve of his pecs and slender waist. He licked his lips. And, and you? I'll be working too, I guess. But I have to run down to the shops to get some supplies first. Then I'll be off to the woods. So it was the woods again today. Aziraphale smiled and gave a cautious nod. I wanted to say... Crowley glanced at his phone and cut him off. Really sorry. I'd love to stay and chat, but I'm in a bit of a time crunch here and I have to go. Oh, yes, I understand. He tried hard not to let his disappointment show. He had been hoping to spend some more time with Crowley and ask him if he would be amenable to going on another date. But he really did look to be in a hurry. Aziraphale would simply have to catch him some other time. Mind how you go, my dear. Crowley waved offhandedly and disappeared into his car. It was incredibly annoying, but Aziraphale thought about him the entire day. He could hardly focus on his work, and at random points throughout his lessons, he drifted off in the middle of a sentence. The poor eleven-year-olds he was teaching had to put up with his nonsensical mumbles and unfinished statements for about half an hour before he finally gave up and showed them a video instead. The hours seemed to drag on, and it was a huge relief when he was finally able to return home. He took the shortcut through the woods again, a spark of hope lit up in his chest. It really was quite silly that he and Crowley had never thought to exchange phone numbers, but it had been a while since Aziraphale's last attempt at dating. Such things did not come to him naturally anymore. He had not actually been expecting to catch Crowley there, so he was pleasantly surprised when he reached the part of the dirt path that neared the narrow stream and heard the familiar voice of someone slow muttering. Aziraphale smiled, and he dashed off in the direction of the stream, pushing aside some of the branches blocking his view to spot Crowley on the other side of the river. He had with him his pointy hammer again, and he was submerged in its slow-moving waters up to his knees, wet spots climbing up the hem of his shorts. His back was turned to a Aziraphale, and he had an ear pressed up to a giant tower of boulders that framed the river's edge. He watched as Crowley held up the tapered end of the hammer to the boulder, giving it four taps.
high-pitched metallic clings sounded out from the surface. Crowley's nose crunched up. Now, that's crud. He scraped the hammer tip over the boulder's surface, moving downwards until he bent at the waist, and Jaziraphale's eyes flicked briefly over his arse. He stopped the hammer at a breaking point on the rock's surface, where it seemed to push deeper in, then gave the same four taps. It sounded out again, this time producing a set of low, full clanks. Crowley's lips stretched out into a satisfied grin. Fucking gorgeous. Unable to wait any longer, Aziraphale emerged from his hiding spot. Crowley! The red hat straightened up instantly. He seemed to have been wholly engrossed in his own head, because his stroll of surprise was far more intense than Aziraphale had expected. Crowley turned to meet his gaze, but lost balance on the piece of rock he'd been standing on. His leg stretched out sideways, and he fell into the shallow water with a loud splash. Goodness me! Aziraphale ran over to the stream, stopping just short of the watery surface when Crowley held out a hand. I'm fine, fine, he said hauling himself back up to a standing position. His shorts were now a shade darker, heavy and dripping, and so was the bottom half of his shirt, which now clung even more tightly to his taut stomach. Sorry, don't get yourself wet. I'm fine. Are you sure? Yep. Crowley began to cross the stream, making his way towards Aziraphale. He had the pointy hammer in a loose grip of his right hand, and when he arrived at the Zerafield side of the stream, he was practically dripping onto the soil. He kept a careful distance away from Aziraphale and wrung some of the water from his shirt. Heading home now? Yes, I've just finished work. Lucky you, replied Crowley and Aziraphale noted the flash of a nasty look he sent over to the side, where Crowley left an opened laptop. His shoes made unpleasant squelching sounds as he shifted on his feet. Still have a ton of stuff to get through with mine. Ah, indeed. You're, um... Aziraphale squinted at the laptop screen, where he could make out a bunch of brown, squiggly lines. Work! Crowley raised his brows. You can go ahead. I'm kinda stuck here for at least another hour or so. Aziraphale tried not to be disheartened by Crowley's dismissal of him. It was a rational thing to be a bit irritable, after a day's struggle of doing whatever it was that Crowley did for his job, he plucked up his courage. Actually, I'm glad I was finally able to get a hold of you. I wanted to say that I had a very lovely time on our date. Ah, oh, 
Crowley rubbed the back of his neck. Did you know? Very much. I wanted to ask if you would like to do it again. Let me take you out somewhere this time. Rowley's eyes shut tight as he drew in a breath. Look, Xerophile. His soapful smile withered right off his face. He did not like where that tone was heading. You're great, Crowley continued. And I mean that. You're nice and fun and bloody gorgeous and... I really like you. I'm sensing there is a but coming up. Crowley gave an apologetic smile. But I don't think we should do it again. It took a few seconds for the words to sink in. Crowley did not want to see him again. His thoughts came in at a mile a second. Things had been going splendidly, and Crowley just confessed to liking him a great deal. He definitely couldn't have just imagined that spark between them when Crowley held his hand. When he leaned in and kissed his cheek. What could have gotten wrong since then? But why? Crowley curled in on himself, looking extremely uncomfortable. It's nothing. Just the, you know, doesn't work out. No, if you're going to shoot me down, you can at least give me an honest reason for it. Fine. To be honest, you're a bit weird. Aziraphir froze. And he began to see red. Oh, really now? I... I'm weird? It's nothing personal. Crowley's sunglasses slid down his face and his eyes went white with panic. I really like you, okay? But I can't date someone who actually believes the Earth is 6,000 years old. I tried to consider it, but... There's just no way I can reconcile that with what I do. You're telling me that I have put up with you all these months, with your your noises and your hammering and, and licking rocks for God knows what reason. Aziraphale, I'm sorry. He had not even noticed that he'd raised his voice, but he was wild with it now competing with the running stream, echoing through the canopy. I'm not the one between the two of us naming rocks. I don't do that. And, and wielding that nefarious weapon around wherever you go, talking about how proud you are of what you've done. Rowley quirked up a brow. Are we still having the same conversation? And just now you were right up against that boulder, talking to it and then praising it, and yet I'm the weird one? Of course I was Aziraphale. It's my job. Aziraphale huffed indignantly. What kind of job could possibly have you doing all this? 
Are you some, some rock specialist? Fucking yes, I am. I'm a geologist. Did you not know that? You were what? They both froze up, staring widely at each other, their chests heaving. My job, Crowley said, enunciating each syllable. I do all this because it's my job. Aziraphale's eyes started around their surroundings, at the large backpack settled next to the open laptop, and at the pointy hammer that now rested on the dirt next to Crowley's feet. The rocks. Oh, Aziraphale tried to laugh, but it came out more like a wheeze, and when he hurriedly stifled it with his palm, it turned into an unflattering snort. <laughs> oh! He started snickering until his hand couldn't contain it and it fell away. He laughed full on, his cheeks warming up. Aziraphale, are you okay? God, yes! He wiped off a tear, but his laughter wouldn't die down. Only, <laughs> only, I thought you were a murderer. You what? All this time, oh, oh dear. His belly was beginning to ache, and he looked at Crowley, beaming. You gave me quite the impression. You thought I murdered someone. I might have been taken in by my imagination. Wait, you thought I was a murderer and you still agreed to go out with me. You looked so very hopeful and I didn't want to disappoint you. This time it was Crowley's turn to laugh. Aziraphale joined him and soon they were holding back loud snickers shooting each other lingering looks. Aziraphale made a long sigh. I think we've rather gotten off on the wrong foot. You can say that. Rowley's grin turned shy. He ducked his head, casting Aziraphale a cautious side glance. Aziraphale's heart felt a lot lighter, and he let hope spring back up his chest. I'd like to start over again, if you're amenable. Crowley chuckled. Fine. He held out a hand, still slightly damp, towards Aziraphale. I'm Crowley. Just moved into the house next to yours. I sleep at odd hours and work in the field, so I'm almost always outdoors. And when I'm at home... I'll likely keep you up with all my rock pounding. Very sorry about that. Aziraphale shook his hand. My name is Aziraphale. I teach English at the local primary school. The rock pounding won't be much trouble for me. I hardly sleep at all. Crowley shot him a crooked grin and their joint hands remained clasped in front of them, squeezing tightly. 
I'm afraid I know not a whole lot about the science fields, given my, uh, upbringing. But I am very interested to learn. Hmm. Crowley tucked on his hand and shifted closer. I might know someone who'd be a very willing tutor. Aziraphale smiled, his gaze flicking down to Crowley's mouth, an inch away from his own. Let me know when you want to introduce him to me, then. With a hand pressed to Crowley's nape, he pulled him down close and gave him a very thorough kiss. The end.